Warriors in seven. Warriors in seven. Warriors in six. Damn. Damn, we have nothing to debate about. That's crazy. Fuck it. Yeah, we do. Good episode, y'all. Hello. You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> you don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore Kalu2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the at underscore underscore Kalu. He knows your Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the basketball. I don't know you guys are all Warriors fans. That's that's news to me. Well, the the very uh, fact that me and Reagan have it in seven means that. You think we can go either way. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I would. I would have said seven, but because you two said seven, I just said six. Just you know, mm. just to just to switch it up a little bit. All right. I mean, it, it's okay. Let's okay. Let's let's add on to that because since everyone has the Warriors, what's your if you had to assign a percentage to your confidence that the Warriors will win? What percent would it be? Because for me, I thought about this. I'm not like eighty percent confident that the Warriors will win. I think it's 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 closer than that. Uh, I would probably say. I'm I'm at a seventy. I'm giving it sixty forty. I think Boston has a lot better shot than a lot of people think they do. Um, just because they seem like the type of team that can get the Warriors playing erratically, which is what we saw from Memphis, right? And the Warriors struggled when they had to play a Memphis team that was really diligent on the rotations, that fought through screens, that didn't make it easy, that anticipated their actions and things like that. We know what um, Udoka does from a coaching standpoint. We know how disciplined they are. They identify defensively. That's a defensive team before it is an offensive team, the Celtics are. So we know that they're going to understand the assignment, right? Um, And that's the type of team that tends to fluster the Warriors a little bit and send them down these rabbit holes where there's a bunch of turnovers, there's a bunch of ill shots, right, things like that. So I think that there's going to be a – at least one or two games that you just look at the Warriors teams like, the fuck is y'all doing? Especially you, Eddie. Like, I I, I can see, like (laughs) – Some quarters where you're just like, bro, what the hell was that in the group chat? You know what I'm saying? Well, I feel like there's going to be games. When I say games, I mean from both teams, games that are just simply bad games. And I don't think that the Warriors, you know, the the, the bad games that they have when they shoot just ill-advised shots and have a bunch of turnovers, they bring that upon themselves, in my opinion, way more than other teams forced it out of them hmm. and so I, I i just think they get loose sometimes and they you know they, they might have that luxury but they do get loose sometimes which is why i push it up to seven games if the warriors are locked in and play up to their ideal standard which i know that they can play and that we've seen them play at i think the series can honestly be over in Five maybe pushing it, but I I would be com- very very comfortable saying six. So but he, they just they don't they they play loose sometimes. That, that's, which, I think know, it's the nature of their game. That, I think that's so, exactly my point with the Warriors is that you kind of have to take the good with the bad, and when you have these runs where it's like, holy shit, this team looks like the fucking best team to ever walk on a basketball court right now. You have to take that just as much as you take the fucking Jordan Poole, you know, tries to dump off and it goes out of bounds because Kevon Looney wasn't expecting it. Or Draymond Green tries to hit an ill bounce pass that had no business trying to get through. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to take all of those things because that's who those individuals are and that's who they are as a collective. You know what I mean? So they're going to take some risks and sometimes it's going to look really good and sometimes it's going to look ugly. Um, but more often than not, it looks it ends up looking pretty good. So I think that's why they get the series. But you are about to say something, Randy. Yeah, so I'm saying what I'm hearing is you two make it sound like you think the Warriors are sort of the dictating team in the series. That it hinges on if they play their game and there's like not much that the Celtics can do if they put their foot on the floor 
that they can kind of dictate how the series goes. Well, they, they can still do something. Uh, what's going to be on the Celtics side is how the refs call the games. If, if I was talking to you a, a little bit, Eddie, um, the Warriors' offense is so dependent on movement, action, screens, running from side to freaking side and, and so much motion and, and movement. If uh, the refs let the Celtics blow up screens, get really, really tight on Steph and Jordan Poole, um, and just push them off of their track, then the series is going to look a little bit different. But uh, I, just like any series, it's going to be a mixture of, you know, refs, you know, differing on, on how they're going to call it. So um, the, the Celtics really have to fo- force their uh, their way and their kind of, uh, just strength and and grit on this series if if they want to if they want to have any chance just like just like w- when the Warriors played uh, the the Grizzlies just like you mentioned Rangan uh, the shit got ugly sometimes mm-hmm. and that's how they have to make the game they have to make it ugly and part of that ugliness is that when Steph is off the court they take bad shots and rushed shots and so the Celtics take so many threes that maybe they can bait the Warriors into doing that so it's uh. I've said all throughout the season that I think that the Warriors are much, much more of a half-court team than a fast-break team that a lot of people think that they are. And so if you speed them up, that might work to your advantage. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's interesting because I feel like they've been better when they can run in the playoffs so far, but they've also played teams like Dallas that want to play slow and Denver that want to play slow. Um, but something that's interesting to me is that because you two kind of make it sound like the Warriors should be like the the favorite in the series. And I think I've read like a lot of, you know, like media, whatever, predict the Warriors. But at the same time, you have, you know, the, the computer models like ESPN the analytics. models saying, that, you know, that, hey, they're giving Boston an it's 86% like 80, yeah, chance. Yeah, that shit is crazy. And, like, yeah. and 538. You know, the, the website that said Hillary Clinton would win or whatever in 2016 said Boston um, has an 80% chance to win. So I'm just, I'm just Did saying Did they the take into account the electoral college? <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> but I'm just saying that the, the computers certainly see it one way. And, and you know, like, I don't know. I, I, I do give some credence to the idea that Boston is a more complete version of Memphis, kind of. But I also don't know if I completely am on board with the fact that Boston has the same pressure points that Memphis does. Like, for example, I don't see anyone like John Morant on Boston. No, I'm speaking um, more defensively. Yeah, but I think – so, okay, the, the, the defensive thing is true, except the way I see it is Jaron Jackson is like a much better version of Robert Williams, especially given his knee injury right now, Robert Williams. I appreciate and, it. And and I be by the way, I've become a Jaron Jackson fan. I think As he's you like should. I think I think him and Bam should, Adebayo is the player. is the same player right now, if you ask me. Um like the way Steven Adams was sort of using his size in that series, I think it's gonna be more effective than what Al Horford can do in this series. Um I, I did, but then oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say okay, I didn't want to ask whether you guys thought that those two would be playable at the same time, Al Horford and Robert Williams. Okay, so I think that's maybe my observation number one of this series, is that a lot of people are talking about how switchable this Boston defense is. And maybe it's just me, but I don't see it that way. Because for most of the season, they've played two big lineups. They've played Horford and Robert Williams together, or they've played Grant Williams to replace one of these two. And you ask me, all three of those players are not the most switchable guys, especially if you tell them to um, match up against a guy like Steph, like Jordan Poole. If you ask them to chase around guards and off-ball screen actions and have to, you know, chase around guys that way. And may, again, it's maybe it's just me and, and my observations, but when I watch Boston, I see them as a team that plays more drop defense than switch all five. And that could be a potential weak point um, if you have – Horford and Robert Williams on the floor a lot. I think what we're going to see a lot is Derek White and Marcus Smart lineups at the same time with the Jalen's. And then one of those players at the five, whether it's Horford or Robert Williams. But then you have the question for Boston is, 
then they might be playing into the Warriors' hand by oh, undersizing okay, so, yeah. to the Warriors. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of roster configuration matchup questions on the Celtics side that, for whatever reason, I feel like people aren't talking about on... I mean, like, I'm, I'm not even talking about, like, first take, like, they don't even talk about basketball. But, you know, like, I've seen teams write about how Boston's switchable defense might cause the Warriors problems. I don't see it that way at all. I think Boston, with their two big lineups are going to be forced to play drop and that might get shredded because the Warriors have historically shredded drop defense. Um, so I'm curious what the chess move is going to be there. My prediction is we're going to see like a ton of Derek White minutes. And if Boston wins, he's going to have to turn into Fred Van Vliet, the real finals MVP in 2019. But that's just my thoughts. Yeah. Julio, look like you're about to say something. Uh, well, tr- if they try switching, uh, this is something I was talking to Eddie too. They try... If you try putting Al Horford on Steph Curry, you're going to get fucking destroyed. If you try to put Grant Williams can move a little bit more, but again, if you try to put him on Steph, shit's not going to work out for you. Um, those guys are switchable on different types of dudes like Kawhi, a LeBron, a Giannis. They, they can switch, uh, even a Jimmy Butler. Um, they, they can switch on those types of dudes, bigger wings. Um but not no Steph Curry. That's a different cat. So much smaller dude, uh, just very, not very different skill set, but just a whole different skill set when it comes to the perimeter. And so, yeah, even though they've been able to switch on everything throughout the season, it's just not going to work in in this series. So two things on my end. Um, A, I thought the same thing about Steven Adams, and I didn't think he would be playable in that Warrior series. But after Ja went down, and they were kind of forced to put him into lineup because it was like, fuck, we got to try something. Um, he was passable. You know what I'm saying? Um, now, I'm not sure if either of Robert Williams or Al Horford is as mobile as Jaron Jackson is, right? But I think I'm almost willing to the to give Al Horford somewhat of the benefit of the doubt because I don't think he was able to do anything that he's been doing throughout this entire playoff run prior to it right so maybe he's up to the challenge to an extent um number two i'm wondering about his own is that something that you guys see udoka trying to employ at some point because with as much length as they have we know that they can swallow the court right so but do you play zone against stephen clay is is the question it might have to be a modified zone, but I'm curious, like, because I I don't know from your standpoint, Julio, is that something that you know you're just gonna get fucked up on if you try to go because they shoot the hell out of the ball and it's like, do they? Because there was this one thing, uh, the Cavs they played a zone, but it was like, it was a they they placed Evan Mobley at the top of a three two, but then when the ball swung to the corners, they dropped down into a two three. I feel like that's something. I'm just thinking of shit because uh, the Celtics gonna need well, help. Okay, the Warriors that, are gonna be fucking good. That's that's doing a little bit too much. The the dropping and going up because they move so fast and and Draymond is such a that's true. quick decision maker if he gets the ball in the middle. So they did that against do, Boston. By play the way. A zone, yeah, if I do play a zone, uh, it would be it would most definitely be a three two number one because they're heavy on the perimeter. Even though Golden State is a, a lot of people like to think that they're a perimeter team, their objective is to drive basketball so that that's it's very simple so um the most i would have the top guy drop is probably to uh the the free throw line but other than that you're staying on the perimeter and um the the second reason why i'm keeping that top guy on the perimeter is also because the golden state warriors are not that big and so i'm not too too worried about offensive rebounds just to be frank so so a lot of talk has been about how the Celtics would defend the Warriors, and rightfully so because this is the number one offense in the playoffs and one of the best defenses of all the time, right? Um, but I, I suppose some sp- some space is warranted for how the Warriors would defend the Celtics. How do you guys foresee that playing out? So I, I think I have a counter question to that, not to not answer your question, you but people are um, – well, I say people, I just shared one thing in the group chat, but – who do you think is the more physical team in the series? Is it the Celtics or is it the Warriors? I would say the Celtics. The Celtics. I mean, without Horford and Grant Williams alone. Yeah. 
I just because I think maybe it's just personal that I don't like the narrative that the Warriors are sort of like, you know, they, they play like the beautiful game. You know, they don't like to play physical or whatever. I feel like all of these playoff runs, particularly if you look at like the Raptors series, it's like if the Warriors have to play that brand of basketball, I trust them to play physical more than I trust Tatum and Brown to play physical because every time Miami was physical with them, what did they do? They turned the ball over, dribbled it off someone's foot. Um, you know, like they couldn't handle the ball with ball pressure. So basically along that point, I think what the Warriors can do is that they can put more pressure on the ball when Tatum and Brown have it with guys like Wiggins with Gary Payton, the second coming back, someone who can get under those ball handlers and make it tough for them to score. Um, and then the other thing for me is I don't know if there's enough creativity in the Boston offense that forces the Warriors to make conflicting decisions. Um, and that's something why I don't compare Boston to Memphis because something that Taylor Jenkins did, I think better than any other coach I've seen this year is put the Warriors in conflict. So for example, if Draymond is guarding Jaron Jackson, putting him in actions where he has to decide between, do I give up a three to Jaron Jackson who can make those? Or if someone else is matched by Jaron Jackson, do I have the mismatch where he can get in the post, use his like taller frame, hit the you know baby hook, which he did a bunch of times in that second round matchup. Someone like uh, Desmond Bain, when he was on the Grizzlies, was stretching the floor and you know preventing the sort of rotations and you know timeliness and the kind of togetherness of the Warriors defense that we saw. I think... Boston's offense, because it's so ISO heavy, and particularly the way that Tatum and Brown play, they kind of, you know, they kind of pound the ball into the floor, we have to be honest. I think that it doesn't put the Warriors' defense in conflict enough, um, and it'll ultimately have to come down to, you know, does Tatum make crazy shots because he can? Does Jalen Brown make some crazy shots because obviously he can? Um and if they rotate up and the corners open, does Derek White or Grant Williams or whoever make open threes? I think if you're the Warriors defense, that's a fine proposition to have. You're gonna your game plan is Tatum and Brown make tough shots and you know, the sort of non-shooters or like mediocre shooters dare you to hit open threes. I think the Warriors defense is more than capable of executing that sort of game plan. And if they do that, I think they're in a better spot because the Warriors have more firepower on offense. So, so many teams this is where I think the Warriors are kind of unique. So many teams base or, or are uh, at their best offensively when they play their best defensively, cause a lot of turnovers and yada, yada, yada. Um, the Boston Celtics. Position, right. When, when they get a lot of steals, a lot of turnovers they hunt you on defense and then you know those turnovers are converted to points the warriors defense defending like stopping boston from scoring all these points it's almost reversed for them their defense begins with their offense so many you know teams offense begins with their defense their defense their game plan should be our best defense is going to be dependent on our offense how by playing controlled basketball, good half-court offense. I'm not saying play very slow and almost stop your rhythm, but if you make Boston play in the half-court offense and you know, you're defending them, obviously, you're in a good-ass position because you make them do exactly what you just said, dribble the ball onto the ground, you're in good position. You bait Marcus Smart and – you know, other dudes to, to make these threes and to score one-on-one and not let them get in transition, you're you're in a good position to, to win these games. Let's talk X factors um, on the Warriors side of things. I feel like to, to boil it down to a singular guy is always kind of silly. Um, so let's say, like, offensive and defensive. Who's the X factor for the Warriors? So you want to go Warriors? Uh, well, you know who my X Factor is. Yeah, offensively, for sure. We know. We know Clay. what it is. It's Clay. It's Clay all day. They're so, going to put all their motherfucking effort into defending Steph Curry 
They're going to double him seven times more than they doubled Kevin Durant. <laughs> that and, was that's uh, so crazy to say, bro. That's just like not true. I mean, Eddie thinks it's true, but we can move on. We can move no, on. Like, I don't know about seven times. But seven times is nuts. You better not know about you know, seven times. Anyway, um, so uh, other than Steph Curry, it's going to be heavily dependent on two dudes, Jordan Poole and Klay Thompson. This is obviously Jordan Poole's first finals, first big, big playoff run. So I'm not going to be relying on him and dependent on him. Uh, especially as a rookie in the in these playoffs, he's, he's pretty much a rookie when, when it comes to finals basketball, right? And so the dude that has to step up is Clay. Clay's been very up and down throughout these playoffs. When he's on, he is on. When he's down, he's like pretty down. I'm not gonna say he's very very down, but he's pretty down. He uh, his defense has obviously regressed. He can take. He's taking even more questionable shots than he did before, which is bringing his percentage down. But when he's on, there's nobody that can guard them. And I am not putting my fucking eggs uh, in an X-Factor basket for Andrew Wiggins. Fuck that. You know, he'll have one good game. It's Clay. It's Clay. Andrew Wiggins heard the slander. He, he's you, you cut out Julio. I think Andrew Wiggins so, people heard the slander. Sorry, sorry. If, I, if I'm pick, if if I'm picking one dude who's not like in their core, it's gonna be. And I told Eddie this earlier today. It's gonna be Otto Porter. Uh, the 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 Warriors front court is not big at all. And if you get Draymond into foul trouble, the only other big man that they have uh, is is Kevin uh, Kevon Looney. So. If he needs to go to the bench or if he gets a foul dribble too, the only dude that's going to be able to play five, in my opinion, that I'd be willing to play is Otto Porter because he can defend on the perimeter. He can run. I'm not putting no uh, – and I forgot his name again. Bielitsa. Uh, Bielitsa. Sure, I'm not putting Bielitsa out there. Kaminga hasn't looked bad when, he, when he's gotten his opportunities. 19-year-old in the finals getting run would be, would be hey, something. Hey, man. I mean – I, I um I agree with the clay thing. Like I think that's the obvious answer, but don't don't count out Andrew Wiggins as an X factor here because offensively or defensively? Offensively. Mm-hmm. Because if he turns into, you know, twenty sixteen Harrison Barnes, then the series is probably gonna go to Boston. Um and the thing with Andrew Wiggins, we know this, is that if he loses confidence it looks really bad sometimes. And I think there will be a few games, maybe, you know, hopefully just one, maybe two games where he's just not hitting the three. And now all of a sudden Boston's defense plays farther and farther away. And, or Andrew Wiggins misses like a, you know, two free throws. And then he starts hesitating, driving to the rim. Then he starts taking like those post fadeaways, you know, sidestep 20 footer, you know, middies that he's not really efficient at. And then all of a sudden he becomes a, a minus on offense. Um, so, but the thing for me, the X factor is not Andrew Wiggins hitting threes per se, because he's going to hit some, he's going to miss some. That's the nature of his game. The X factor is him being on the boards because he's been one of the like better rebounders in the playoffs so far. And Boston is kind of a mediocre rebounding team. Um, and if Wiggins can get, let's say like six free points a game, meaning like offensive rebound putbacks, like just getting loose balls, being in the right spot and, you know, hitting shots. If he can get like six free points a game, then it means he's done like the job of doing the dirty work. And that's what Wiggins has been, I feel like, throughout the playoffs. He's been a dirty work player. Um, and that's where I see him really contributing. Obviously, he can't shoot, you know, zero for 27 from three or something like that. But if he just does his job on defense, you know, maintains being a threat on offense, doesn't take dumb shots, and then does the dirty work. I think that's another weapon that the Warriors have that Boston will have to, you know, think about matching up against. It depends who they um, <clears throat> You said what, bro? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you cutting out bad right now, bro. I ain't gonna lie. Andrew Wiggins. Cut off the five G. Yeah, they heard it. All right, what's your offense? Offensive X factor. Offensive X factor. You know, this may be like, obviously, I just want to say something different to y'all because obviously Clay is like an X factor. Obviously, um, Andrew Wiggins 
I would say it's obvious the way he's been playing. But, like, one dude that I see time and again where it's like, if he's doing good stuff, the Warriors tend to be rolling, that's Kevon Looney. Um, just from a standpoint of, like, I, I feel like a lot of times when we talk about, like, the short roll in the Warriors, it kind of boils down to Draymond Green and nothing else. But, like, as a secondary decision maker and that kind of, like, threshold point in the mid post, uh, Kevon Looney's been really effective um, at certain spots. Um and like when he's going, like I, I I I watch him and it's just like, damn! If you had James Wiseman's natural ability, bro, this is a fucking top five NBA center. Like he's so intelligent in the way that he plays. Mm-hmm. He's such a great decision maker. He has great touch. Like it's just like when you lob it, dunk it, Kevon. Like it's just like catch it and dunk it. That's no, the only thing that he doesn't two, have. It yeah, takes two seconds. Takes two and even then, once he pulls it down, yeah. he'll sometimes make a good dump off pass. That, that's pretty nice. Yeah. But like, um, random, random aside, is he the modern day Zach Randolph? Ooh, he's probably not as good as Zach it was because Zach had, yeah. you know, he could extend his game out. But no, nah, I mean, fucking similar games. It's about like, as close as you can get to modern version. Everything I that like. I like, I feel like he's almost like on Festus Azili time with me, where it's like I used to watch Festus Azili and be like, bro. Let this dude go somewhere else. He's going to be legit. Now, I don't think Kevon Looney's going to be anywhere near as good as he is in the context of this system right now. But it's just like, yo, this dude, Kevon, can play, man. Um, So, offensively, I'll probably go Kevon. Defensively. Are we just going Warriors or both teams? I didn't catch Yeah, we just went Warriors. We're going to go to the Celtics. Okay. Um, Defensively, you talk about like matching energy and how the uh, the the trope around the Warriors is that they they're not as physical of a team. Having Gary Payton back, I think, is going to be huge, just in terms of a tone setting sort of thing. Um, having a guy out there who's going to do the dirty work and like kind of in accordance with your ugly theorem, Eddie. Like it's going to be very obvious and tangible what Gary Payton does on the floor. Um, so that when things like if things feel like they're starting to spiral out of hand a bit for um, the Warriors at certain points, having a guy like that who can kind of bring you back down to earth and kind of, you know, not bark back in people's faces. I don't think that's really what he does, but just mm-hmm. match the sort of energy that a guy like Marcus Smart is going to bring to the court. That alone from a morale yeah. standpoint, I think that's going to mean a lot because Draymond Green kind of too old for all that at this point in his career, right? So Andre Iguodala is not going to do it, right? I don't even know if. He's like he's healthy, but I, I question whether Andre Iguodala as play is as playable as a lot of people think that he is at this point in his career. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know about all that either. So having a guy like Gary Payton at this point, because as of right, as of the past couple series, it's really just been Andrew Wiggins holding it down on the perimeter defense. Having Gary Payton back is going to be good when you got to see dudes like Tatum and Jalen Brown, right? Um, but on the Celtics, you're going to cause a shitload of turnovers. Gary Payton is? Yeah. He's going to try to, for damn sure. He's going to try to. Um, and he's one of those dudes where it's like, if he's hitting, goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> Call it. Um, Celtic side of things. Who's the offensive X factor? Um, okay, I'll go. I already said Derek yeah, White. Um, because the way Derek White played in the Miami series... And I said Fred Fred Van Vliet, it reminded me a lot of what Van Vliet did in 19. You know, struggled early in the run, went up paternity leave and had a baby, came back, and now he's hitting like 80% of his threes and like hitting every floater imaginable. Um, And so like, honestly, I think Derek White scares me a lot because I think defensively he has size you know he, he has good size at like six five for a guard he can be another option to chase the you know steps the pools the plays around when marcus smart who already has a bum ankle you know like you can't run him all 48 minutes um and then on offense he's shown that he's now more confident at hitting those threes he can put his head down and get to the rim and hit a floater or even you know use some of his size and, and try to finish like around or over people so yeah D- Derek white for me if he gets you like 15 a game for Boston, which he was doing the last couple games, then it becomes a much top, tougher proposition for the Warriors. Um, it just becomes another weapon the Celtics have to score points. What about you, Julio? 
For me, it would probably be uh, Al Horford. Al Horford, like a mixture of Al Horford and Grant Williams. These, these are two dudes who have shown up big in the playoffs both on both sides of the ball, really. Mm-hmm. And again, w- when I was mentioning, uh, that, that was more on the defensive side. But I, I just feel like the further we go along in the playoffs, especially against a team like, like the Warriors, when you have uh, a size advantage like you do, I just feel like in the in this playoffs, not not only against the Warriors, but against you know many of these teams that are playing very small, that advantage isn't being taken advantage of. And uh, with the Celtics having the size advantage in this series, I, I guess it would be a mixture of Robert Williams, Al Horford, and, and Grant Williams. But the reason why I singled out the, the first two respect uh, uh, respectively is because they have more of an offensive game than than Robert Williams, and so. I really do think that they can do heavy, heavy damage on, on, on the interior. And I'm not going to say take less threes or take the ball out of Jason Tatum's hands. Um, but you got to do something a little bit different than what the Warriors are going to be easily, you know, preparing for, which is a bunch of one-on-one game um, and baiting Marcus Smart into taking some threes or, or playing an offensive game. And so uh, that's where I think on the offensive end, Ime Udoka is going to have to maybe scheme some things for Al Horford to get going and Grant Williams to get going. I, I know Grant Williams isn't that tall, but he plays very big and can play well on the on the interior. So they got to dominate that. UT's finest, man. You already know what's going on. I don't know if y'all can see my shirt. You already know what's going yeah. on, man. UT. And the UT football for a reason, because Grant Williams be playing football sometimes, low-key. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to go Marcus Smart, and it's for reasons you already mentioned, Julio, is that they're going to be daring him to I, – I think a lot of times it's just like daring you to shoot, but I don't think it's necessarily that you have to shoot when the ball comes your way and you're wide open. So I, I think the real – Daring you to make a decision. Is, exactly. He's going to have to make smart decisions because they're probably not going to close out on him too hard. But he is strong enough to where if they close on him a little bit, he can get by the defender if, if he's giving him an inch. So Reagan, makes, what, what, was I, what was I saying in game seven, the whole fourth quarter? Dare Marcus Smart to shoot. And he kept on Give shooting. him the ball. Give him the ball. And he, he keeps keep shooting. He, it's like the man, the man's shooting every time. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like if, if Marcus Smart – and he, it's not always like that with them. And we saw it. Um, it was that you remember that game? it was it was a few years ago. We made a video about it um, where it was. I don't know, I don't know if the ball ended up going his way or not, but like Marcus Smart was. Oh yeah, it was calling it for was, the ball. It was you're not Clay. Exactly, saying, right? and, and Campbell Walker. You're not Clay. Campbell Walker ended up dumping it off to somebody, I think. But it's like I just need Marcus Smart to make better decisions when that ball comes his way because essentially you're going to be faced with an open court and a likely advantage in some form or fashion if you're Marcus Smart at multiple times throughout the series. You can't always shoot it. And I think Draymond Green does such a good job of that because he has that shot fucking 10 times throughout the course of a game, but he ends up creating a different advantage off of the space that the team is giving him. So I think if Marcus Smart can tap into that because, mind you, he came into the league as the sixth overall draft pick out of Oklahoma State playing point guard, right? So this dude has guard skills. He just has to utilize them better than he has. So I think that if he um if he's able to tap into that and to a better extent than he has in previous series, that, you know, you're going to be creating advantages for your team that Golden State would not have anticipated prior to because they're just going to assume that you're going to shoot it every time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that is Mark, not Marcus Smart in and of himself, but more of his decision making and his processing when that ball comes his way is going to be an X factor. Um, yeah, it is crazy how often he ends up leading the team in shot attempts because they like, damn they're like fucker shoot it, and this is like you don't have to even like I, I would I would so much rather if he takes that space and just tries to bulldoze his way to the rim, even if he gets a damn charge, because sometimes it's just going to call the foul because it looks like a foul. But it's like, get your free throws or something. It doesn't have to be an open three. He, he, I mean, shit. What did you send in the group chat a couple weeks back? Eddie was like, what do y'all think Marcus Smart has been shooting from three? And me and Julio yeah. guess like, what, 35, 33, something like that. It was like 22 or some ridiculous shit. It was like, what, bro? It's 28, I think, yeah. But his percentages were not good this year. 28 is crazy. And it's like... But the thing with him, though, and my point was that he keeps on shooting, so it feels like defenses keep on respecting 
even though his numbers don't always, you know. Yeah, it's it's more about it's more about gravity than your actual Percentage conversion percentages. Yeah. But at this but point, I mean, do, you saw it in the I Miami do, series. Is he is he demanding that much gravity once teams are kind of keying in defensively, or is it like Marcus got the ball? That's what we wanted. I think the issue with him, and I do agree with your point, is that at times Marcus Smart, I think it feels like Marcus Smart thinks it's Marcus Smart time too often than not. <laughs> you know, where he's like, Facts. my shot, like my time to handle. And it's like you have the two J's on that team that and and to and to Marcus Smart's um credit, sometimes Tatum and Brown doesn't call for the or not doesn't call for the ball they don't like assert their stardom on the court and i feel like personality wise it feels like marcus smart is the more assertive player on the court and that's why he gets the ball so often in those situations because it almost it's almost like he's like well you two aren't doing anything like you're not putting your foot on anything you're not being aggressive let me at least get a shot of the one you try to make something happen. And then he shoots like five for 22 or whatever he did in game seven. But it's like, that's but, what, that's yeah, what I, I need you to be point. Draymond. You know what I mean? Like not necessarily in the sense of like what Draymond does for the Warriors, even though I do think Marcus Smart's capable of that. But if you're going to be assertive, assertively tell Jason Tatum to take the damn shot. You know, Don't fucking take it your damn self. But you know, that, I digress. I, I yeah. Maybe, I, I've had Defensively? 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 My, my, Mine is Robert Williams. Just like I mentioned, the Warriors are trying to penetrate the basketball. And so with penetration, that's the head of the snake a lot of times is, yes, it's Steph, but it's also Draymond. And so in guarding Draymond, you not only have to keep up with him. And what I mean by keep up with him, when Draymond gets the when Draymond gets a rebound, he literally speeds down the court like he's, a funny ha- like he's about to die. Like he's running away from the devil. So it's not only keeping up with him and having a big that can uh, that can have the foot speed. And if he does need or find himself in a situation where he does need to switch, he has that quickness to keep up with smaller dudes or, or perimeter-oriented players. Um, but when you're guarding Draymond, Draymond's directing a lot of the offense. So you almost have to be kind of like, I want to say reading kind of, kind of like how a linebacker reads. A he's going to be middle eyes. linebacker. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. He's kind of be, he's going to be reading the quarterback. And so um, for him, not only to keep up physically, but to keep up mentally in the game of the freaking warriors, because they're not out there just playing one-on-one. They're, they're, they're playing chess, right? While, while everybody's playing checkers. So that's that's why he's the X factor, and obviously, like I mentioned, they're trying to drive the basketball. He's got to protect the rim. Along the same lines, I would say that's why Al Horford is your X factor because we already know Robert Williams' health. I mean, dude has been like questionable for like every single game, you know. So I'm not sure if it if it does come to a point where Udoka has to make the decision. Okay, I can only throw one of my bigs out there. I would estimate it's probably going to be Al Horford and not Robert Williams. Um, being that he's been there before, being that he's a little bit more mobile and being that if you do get in a pick and roll situation and you need a secondary decision maker, offensively, Al Horford's probably more apt for that than Robert Williams is. Um, so I would say Al Horford is probably your X factor in that a lot of the same reasons that you just said, but Al Horford, you know, I can I can see Horford playing a lot of five in the series. because right. That's what Boston used to do before when they had Kyrie on that team and they defended the Warriors really well when they had Kyrie three wings and Horford at the five, obviously Horford's now like 36 or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the legs are not any fresher, but yeah, I can see that a lot, but I mean, I'm gonna have to go with Robert Williams as well, because I think if he was healthy and the way and that all. he was playing when he was healthy against the Warriors in like March, I think like that, like that was when I was thinking this Boston defense is like one of the best all time, because not only do you have, the peskiness of the perimeter defenders like Marcus Smart and the length. But this dude, Robert Williams, was like flying around the court, like blocking shots everywhere. And we saw in the Miami series that he was, you know, running out the three-point line and, you know, blocking threes. But yeah, like his limited mobility, I think it kind of sucks because I wonder if he was healthy, I think we we might see a, you know, a generational defensive performance. Mm-hmm. But because of his, you know, knee and, and, and it's his knee, right? His knee that's hampering him. Yeah. I think, it's going to be interesting to see how he 
you know, keeps up kind of conditioning wise and just, you know, um, how he does when the Warriors force him to guard a bigger part of the floor, requiring him to go from strong side to weak side and, you know, having to fly in from the paint and out to shooters. And, and um, because if he can hold up, it makes Boston's defense that much better. It's kind of like what you were talking about, Reagan, with like Jaron Jackson, if he can just stay out of foul trouble. You know, it's, 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 it's the same type of thing. If Robert Williams just can hold up, it makes such a huge difference, I think, because otherwise Boston is losing a lot of athleticism and like defensive explosion without him in there. Tom Lord, baby. I've been seeing this I wanna, question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. I, I, I was going to bring up another topic unless you wanted to. Oh, you, baby. Bring something like okay. I wanted to know how you guys have felt about Jason Tatum's playoff run so far, because I feel like what I've seen is people are already anointing him as a top 10 player next year, as a superstar, as someone who's like this playoff run has cemented his status as like a budding face of the league. And at least in my eyes, I don't see it that way based off his playoff performance so far, but I wonder how you guys kind of think of well, Jason Tatum now. Top 10 does not make you superstar status. I, I do want to start by saying that. I guess, well, the question is not really about top 10, but the question is more about, is he cemented? Like, is he that guy? I feel like he was eyes? cemented prior to the playoffs, in my mind at least. Um, and this playoffs hasn't, like, swayed one way or the other. It's been kind of like, like, he hasn't had, like, a Jamal Murray-type playoffs or a Donovan Mitchell-type playoffs where it was like, whoa, I got to take my level of respect for this dude to a different level. Um, but he also hasn't had like a playoffs where it's like, okay, I got to knock you down a peg before we ever enter the playoffs. I was like, okay, top 10 player, Jason Tatum. Yeah. He elevated in the Brooklyn series for my eyes in my eyes. Yeah. I think, I think he he definitely did. But then after that, because uh, maybe it's just me. I, I feel like I hate when, you know, people do this. It's like, Jason Tatum had his like 40 point, 10 rebound, five assist games in against Milwaukee, right? He, I think he did it against Miami once too. But let's not pretend like he didn't have a lot of two for 15 some shitty games, games right? Yeah. Like had, three for 16 games. shitty games. Yeah. And let's, and in game seven, when it was the time for him to close the game, who was the best player in the series? Basically, my point is that. Jimmy Butler is that guy, right? Because when it was time to put up a shut up, and I and I can eat my words on this because I thought Jimmy Butler didn't have it anymore, but he clearly showed that he puts his fingerprints on the game. Jimmy Butler is and... so confusing, bro. Like what? He what? just don't want to. He he don't want to try when this shit don't matter, bro. It, he don't need. I don't to. even feel like it's like that though. Is he? He's like. I don't Basically, know. I. I think what I'm trying to get at is that the greats, or at least the, the, the guys in this game, the Katie, the Braun, the Steph, even though, you know, people always debate about this, Jimmy Butler in these moments, like these guys have all showed up when it has counted. I mean, there, there's more guys that I know. I'm, I'm, Yo, I'm just saying, Katie, LeBron, so. Steph, Jimmy Butler, man, that's <laughs> all of them. But, right there. but what I'm saying is like the great players, the winning players have these moments, right? And it's not, it's not eight seconds left in a game. I'm talking about when the game really matters, they show up. And I haven't seen Jason Tatum show up in winning time yet, these playoffs. And may, 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 maybe I'm just seeing it differently. But to me, it's like game seven, you're up by 10, right? Like five 13. minutes. Ago. 13, 13 with three minutes to go. It's time for you to close the game. He's, you know, like he's kind of MIA, right? And the thing is, it's it's not it's not that he's a choker or anything. It's that his game style, he's not a physical offensive player. He doesn't really get to Like driving spots. the ball. He lets the defense dictate where he goes and then shoots over them a lot of the time, usually with like good footwork, you know, good space creation. But I don't, I don't think he's on that level yet. And I see all these, you know, shows or talking heads, whatever, saying, you know, he's the second best player left in the playoffs in the last round after Jimmy Butler or after Steph. I feel like Steph and Jimmy Butler were on a different level and Jason Tatum had a chance to prove that he should be in that level, but he didn't because his game didn't really elevate 
where you could say that he's a trusted winning time superstar. Here, I'll say this. I don't, I'm not going to agree or disagree with what you just said. But part of what's enticing and why I was like rooting for the Celtics to make the finals is because I hate to bring the conversation back to Jimmy Butler, but it's like if Miami made the finals again, A, Miami would not have given the Warriors that great of a series. B, even if the War- the Miami did give the Warriors a great series, even if they won the damn thing, for whatever reason, I feel like Jimmy Butler's one of those dudes that's just not budging where he is in the minds of people. You know what I mean? Like Jimmy Butler's Jimmy Butler. He's never going to be on anybody's top 15, 20, 25, damn near 50 all-time list. But like when we look back at it, and our kids ask us one day because they went on down a YouTube rabbit hole. They're like, Dad, who's Jimmy Butler? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't know about Jimmy Butler, but he could go. You know what I'm saying? But point being, Jason Tatum has an opportunity, I feel like, to cement his name right up there in this sort of power grab that we're seeing in the NBA amongst all these young guys right now. Giannis being the guy who's taking the lead in the forefront, having won a championship and an MVP. I want to see somebody else, you know, kind of, nip at his heels a little bit and see if another guy can kind of, if not win the damn thing, at least show like, yeah, I'm here too. Giannis is doing it right now, but Jason Tatum is right on his ass. And if he puts together a really good final series, that's the light that I'm going to view him in. Um, I mean, he he's special, but talking heads don't know shit. They don't. They All, the, all, all, all they true. look at is Jason Tatum beat Kevin Durant. Jason Tatum beat Giannis. Jason Tatum beat you know, freaking Jimmy Butler averaging whatever he averaged. Jason Tatum, if he wins, Jason Tatum beats Steph freaking Curry. That's the best finals run ever. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? So, talking heads don't really know shit. That, that's, that's I mean, yeah. Simple. I mean, obviously, I feel like that's the that's the podcast model. But I'm just wondering how you guys felt because it feels like everyone is anointing. That's just that's just. Um, I, I think he's my, I think my he's official stance is like people, 10, 12. I, people, I was ready to put a top ten before the playoffs. I think I, I mean I think I'm ready to say he's top ten, but it's not even about like where he is. It's more to me that people are already sort of putting him on that pedestal. And I don't think he's shown nearly enough to be included in that pedestal, if you if you know what I mean. Maybe by the standards yeah. of, of I don't know. Bast and fans. But I don't my my larger point is like I'm excited to see what he does this series. Because if you're Boston, it's it's clear as day. You're fighting an uphill battle here. You're playing a team that's been here and done that. You're playing a team with a top 10. All t- I hate the narratives that, like, oh, the Warriors win a step, a top 10 player. He's do we, do we want to have that conversation? He's already. like What's Steph's legacy? He's Steph all, versus KD. Like, no, no, I don't even want to do the Steph versus KD shit. But I hate the, the idea that, like, oh, if Steph wins this finals and he gets finals MVP, is he top 10 all time? Motherfucker's top 10 all time right now. Easy. I like he was I, I, top I, ten all time. I'll say. I. I mean, obviously, three years ago. Agree. But if he does win another finals, I think it's hard for the talking heads to morally, logically, you know, gymnastics their way around not including him in that. Is, is I think is I think the idea. It's just silly to me. But they barely include Kobe. No, they. they all they those motherfuckers Kobe. always put him at nine. Until like real, until real basketball heads have to come by and fucking correct them, but whatever. You just can't pay attention to that shit. Who's y'all top ten right now? Go. Mm. We're not. We're not doing. Yeah. What, okay. What, what? What is? What? What is Steph and the Warriors legacy if they win another title? How do? How? How are? How are we as you know twenty somethings gonna gonna think about the remember? It's the what? What's what do they call not not a super team but like uh. A dynasty. They're the dynasty. Are they not a, they not a dynasty already, though? It's no, weird. I, yeah. it, it feels I already like consider them a dynasty. It's it's weird because it feels like there was a gap there, though. You know, um, of a year and a half. I mean, like, okay, so last year your finals was the was the there not a gap with Jordan and the Bulls? Yeah, I was gonna say. It's the, I mean, there it's was the a gap, shit. but it was like Jordan dipped out and then he came back and picked up right where he left off. That's different. You know what I'm saying? 
Curry, but, Steph, but, Steph mean, was hurt. Steph, Steph was if, hurt, and Clay, and Clay was hurt. There's and a difference Ray. between a motherfucker literally saying, I'm not playing no more, and then saying, actually, I'm going to play again, versus like... But but didn't we didn't we kind of agree when we were talking about last dance that if MJ played those years, they're not winning eight in a row. Like, that's just not how... Like, that's not how... But these that, it, it leaves it leaves the award that they could have though, and that's what I when I talk to you about Julio, that I talk to you about like narrative and how people's like understanding of stories and people ends up being framed around like a lot of obscure circumstances. Like in people's minds, they could have, and if you ask like a 40, 50 year old right now, they're playing you wholeheartedly. A hundred percent, Jordan would have won them too if he stuck around. He'd have eight chips right now, and it wouldn't even. Be you're telling me if if Danny Green doesn't, you know, fucking shove clay out of the air do, do the warriors have but what i'm saying is those sorts know, of things don't exist in the, in the minds of people like that but point being like i don't know like the the warriors legacy i'm not sure is changed in any way in my mind regardless of whether or not they win this championship and because to me, the Warriors' legacy wasn't always in what they accomplished. Like, 73-9 and nine is cool. Like, it was always just the way that they played, not necessarily the accolades that they accumulated over the time period. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, the spirit of the game that they cultivated amongst each other, that's what I always remember the Warriors for. Like, fuck the championships and the MVPs and all. Like, it's the way they played. That's how I remember them, at least. I mean, some people even call the freaking Spurs a dynasty for how long they lasted. If they're a dynasty, I mean, the Warriors. I feel, I feel for like sure we're too loose. They feel, they feel dynasty, though. They feel more like a like a like a democratically elected like dictatorship, or you know. So what's what were the New England Patriots? The Patriots were a goddamn dynasty. The Patriots were they a dynasty. won how many rings? But here's my th- uh shit. What, I think they won like six, right? Six. How many did the Brady Spurs got eight, win? I thought. Hold Brady on, had. I'm bugging. Hold up, I could be bugging for that. Brady has oh. seven, so they won six. Okay, yeah. And that so, was over the course of what twenty years, right? Thank 19. you. So how many rings did the Spurs have? Five. Five over the course of from 90 whatever. 15, 15-ish years. There you go. How, how many did the Lakers have? It's weird here five, too, though. It's Five weird. in the span of 10 years. But here, okay. Here's the thing the, with the, the Patriots thing. too, is that when they didn't win championships, they were in like the Super Bowl and or the AFC championship. Like every year they were right there. You know what I mean? There was no hurt, break. Hurt Tom Brady for a year. What happened? They still, they still I mean, he tore his I mean, ACL okay. one year. They won, Not, 11, they, they won 11, but they didn't go far in the playoff. I guess that still makes them a dynasty, right? It's different with football. Because I feel like the yeah. standards for a dynasty are less in football because it's, like, so hard to win a Super Bowl. I, don't think, I, don't, I wouldn't be mad if people said the Spurs are a dynasty. The thing about the Lakers, though, like, I mean, obviously Kobe's there from 00 to, you know, through 2010. But... Can it be a dynasty of the if the moving you know if there's moving parts? Yeah. Yeah. Because you think so? Yeah. Because those are two really different teams: the Kobe Shaq teams and the Kobe. KD is a fat moving part. Yeah, but I mean, again, I mean, you know how I see it: it's Steph Clay and Draymond's team. That's that's the character of this team of this Warriors. When people go back at this Warriors, they're gonna think about Steph Clay and Draymond. Yeah, I mean that's facts. It's it's that always Katie, gonna be was, it's always gonna be Steph Clay and Draymond. And then like oh, yeah, saying, remember that time Katie pulled up? That shit was crazy. Right. <laughs> like, I'm not saying he's an accessory because that's disrespectful to him, but respectfully, he was an accessory to this dynasty. It's, it's funny how like because the thirty for thirty down the line is gonna be like. Oh yeah, and then KD put up on them. He's <laughs> like, "Wait, what? Who put up on him?" And then Demarcus Cousins put up too, bro. It was crazy. We all thought it was over. Bro, I flipped my shit when I found that out. Nah, that was crazy. I was with I was with you. That was like when yeah. we first met Eddie. <laughs> we yeah. was like, "What the fuck?" I, I was I was because that was right after think, LeBron I, had got there. I, yeah. I I think I think I threw my phone and I like. I, I hit the floor. I was like, Lord, why? <laughs> so you hate, you, hate, you hate the Warriors too. 
I don't hate the Warriors. That shit was just I, crazy, if, though, bro. Just the idea. The idea of that was just like, what, bro? Hang it up. If I hated if I hated the Warriors, I'd make some I'd make an argument up to why Steph is no, not Lakers. shit. So So like as like a Lakers fan, are you just like fervently anti Celtics? Is that the sort of stance? Or do no. you feel like the Celtics team is different? I'm no. not anti Celtics. Mm-hmm. I've never been really anti Celtics. I, I think that's that kind of thing. fucking weird. Yeah, like some people because some people are like Ooh. I mean, I guess I could understand the idea, like, if the Celtics win a chip, then they're going to have more than the Lakers. So it's like, oh, I'd We're still the best it. franchise ever, so. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, like, I didn't I really mean, get it, and then I watched Winning Time, and you know how Winning Time, they're like, oh, this yeah, this yeah. place is haunted, like, that leprechaun will trip you on the court, and, like, they don't call. I was like, okay, yeah, I kind of get, like, the history. They're, 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 you know, their fans are known to be, you know, racist, mm-hmm. and that that owner was known as a prick and uh you know i don't know you, you, did you see the episode when larry bird was watching magic johnson in the final yeah. and yeah. then larry bird's like freaking brother or whatever you know yeah. just pops off the n-word and it's like okay yeah. wow nice you know that that's that's just how they are so i can give a damn about them interesting because I've seen I've seen Lakers fan sites talking about it's their duty to root for the Warriors. And yeah, and, and it's like, like I don't know, like I could. You're understand. not a Lakers fan, bro. You why are you talking? I mean, people who are a fan of the Showtime Lakers or you know in the '80s or whatever. <laughs> right, yeah. I just saw it. Like, I, I did. I did my dude. I was a goddamn fan of the Lakers. What, bro? I know who Vander Blue is. I can talk. I hey. know who Vander Blue is. Even if I'm a okay. Grizzlies fan today, I know who Vander Blue is. I okay. know. I know who Vander Blue is. I remember when he averaged 10 points a game, and I was like, oh, maybe he got something, bro. I was, <laughs> we were that down bad. I'm not talking about the fucking Robert Sack. Everybody, every, like, down yeah, bad. Everyone says Robert Sack, right? Exactly. Everybody remembers Robert Sack. I know who Vander Blue is. Vander goddamn Blue. I never thought about it like we really won five championships in ten years, bro. That's half of the freaking rings. That's crazy. What five? That's, that's pretty. Oh, you talking about from the Kobe two thousand and ten? Yeah. Yeah, that shit is crazy, that, bro. Yeah, but I don't know. Right, should well, we should we get one final question about this final series? Yeah, sure. Do you have one of mine? Finish. Yeah, who wins finals? Who wins finals MVP? Oh, Steph. Yeah. Oh, they won't, give it to me, even, they won't not let Steph it. get it after all this time, bro. They they're not giving him that. I'm I'm they're, they're gonna like, like there's no way after like even I, I could see very much it like deservedly being somebody else, but them still giving Thank it to you. Steph. Because there's like Thank you. we've been doing you green for so who did they do that to, bro? It was somebody Anthony who they Davis. Gave, No, um I'm thinking football. Was it Brady? Where they gave him the finals, or they gave him the Super Bowl MVP, even though it was like, oh, I think it should have been. Uh, didn't, they, didn't they give Mahomes the MVP when he didn't really do anything that year? Oh, and it should have been um, Damian Williams? Maybe. Or, I mean, I know that year they gave it to, like, Big Ben when, when what's his name, Harrison went, like, 99 yards. Harrison, yeah. Yeah. What is your finishing five, Eddie? Eddie said in his finishing five, he's not having one particular First of all, player. My finals MVP is Clay, I think. That'd be I think, a cool I think moment. it's going to be Clay. But he got a hoop, though. You know what I'm saying? He, and, he, and it's true. I mean, if he makes shots, he's going to get his like 25 a game. And, you know, the narrative is going to look great. You know, it's going to be Steph, he bro. It's going to be Last time he was Steph. here, he got carried out with Arena and ran back in. Now he's finals MVP. Like, every, everyone will Steph, eat it up. Bro. It's going to be Steph. It's, it's we'll right. see. Who was the? I also um, wonder. I also wonder if Steph can play out of Finals MVP level. Just you know, he hasn't. He hasn't. Like I mean, I think we we've all said it right. He hasn't been vintage Steph this whole playoff run because he didn't have to be. So we'll see. The defense is going to make him work. Clay just needs to make shots. You're convincing yourself so you can be happy when it happens. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Hedging your bets. Exactly. Exactly. You you Silicon Valley aristocrat. 
Damn. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Damn. Y'all, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we've been on a little bit of hiatus. We've been traveling the world and shit, man. So, you know, we get it in when we can. But as always, go check out the socials if you feel so compelled at Hoopalapod. Nobody followed the socials in a minute. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it just be like that. We don't even post there, honestly. Just listen to the podcast. <laughs> just listen to the podcast. That's what you're here for. It's the basketball. You know what the fuck going on, man. We'll catch y'all next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler Podcast. 